Today we're beginning a fall sermon series called Imagined Scarcity, Abundant Reality. As you can tell, that comes from uh, Walter Brueggemann's prayer, which Joe just recited so movingly. I'll explain what that means in weeks to come. We're going to be talking about generosity in various arenas of life, and today we're talking about generosity in our working lives. And this parable of Jesus seemed like the perfect passage for us to hear before we talk about that. Matthew 25. For it is as if a man going on a journey summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to a third one talent, each according to his ability. And then the man went away. The one who had received five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the man with two talents traded with them and came up with four talents total. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master came back and summoned his servants. And the one who had five talents said, Master, I took your money and traded with it and made five more talents. And the master said to this servant, Well done, good and faithful servant. It was the same way with the man who had two talents. He made four. Well done, good and faithful servant. Then the one who had received the one talent came forward also saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man and I was afraid. So I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master replied, you lazy slave. You should at least have given my money to the bankers so that I could have it with interest. So take the one talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, Jesus tells the story of a first century Warren Buffett, who in very un-Buffett-like fashion decides to take an extended vacation. But before he leaves on his carnival cruise around the world, he entrusts truckloads of cash with three of his lieutenants at Berkshire Hathaway Hymer. One of them gets five talents, a second gets two, and a third gets just one talent. Now, a talent in ancient Palestine was the largest currency denomination, something like a $100,000 bill, I guess, if there is one of those. I happen not to run in circles where many are needed. Actually, a talent was a lot more than $100,000. A talent was roughly equivalent to what an average worker, let's say a teacher or a cop, would earn during 15 years in the classroom or the squad car. And so the five-talent guy was handed quite a wad of cash, about $5 million by current evaluation. Even the one-talent guy got a million dollars. And so the first thing to notice about this little parable is that God, or the universe, is generous but not fair right? We don't all start out at the same place. Some of us get to spend a month on Lake Michigan and others a Saturday at Six Flags. Some of us are born with an IQ of 150 and perfect pitch 
and others have to make do with learning disabilities and tone deafness. Some get five talents, others get two, and some of us have to scramble around making do with just one. I was reminded of this not long ago during a conversation with one of our high school students who could sing, dance, act, draw, do calculus, look like a model, and was sweet and kind to boot. She had her choice between Juilliard and Johns Hopkins. Don't you just hate that? Well, of course we don't, but I was a little intimidated by her vast abilities. And so the first thing to notice about this parable is that God, or the universe, is generous but not fair. The second thing to notice is that everybody gets something. No one is left empty-handed. Talents are what we are handed when we come into this world and which we can choose to cultivate or ignore. We can trade with them or we can bury them. And so the man who got five talents, five million dollars, decided that you can't just let a million dollars lie around collecting dust and he begins instantly to trade with them. Literally, in Matthew's Greek, he worked his talents. He worked his money. This man worked for his money and had his money working for him. And in the two years of his boss's absence, he gets a 100% return on his investment. The two-talent guy does the same, 100% return on his investment. The boss says, well done, good and faithful servants. Well, I guess so. You'd be happy, too, with a 100% return on your investment in just two years. Maybe you should tell your broker that you heard about a guy that got 100% return on his investment in just two years. Of course, he was working for the right firm. The third servant takes a different tack. In the uncertain world of first century Palestinian finance, where even the banks were risky, the only really safe place for your money was a hole in the ground. So this guy buries his talents. He digs a hole for his million dollars. He considers himself to be responsible, conservative, and honest. But his boss disagrees. The boss thinks he's just lazy. The boss criticizes the servant as lazy, but actually there's something else behind the laziness. There is the fear. There is the caution. It's not so much that he's lazy, but that he is afraid. He takes one look at this cool million bucks and is utterly confounded by it. What others see as an opportunity, he sees as a burden. He's afraid. He buries his talent in the ground. Do you know somebody like this? Are you somebody like this? Do you know someone who can sing like Renee Fleming, but won't because she's afraid of hitting the wrong note? Do you know somebody who can serve like Roger Federer, but won't because he might double fault before 20,000 people at the U.S. Open? So you can trade with your talents or you can bury them. If you trade with them, you get more. If you bury them, They're taken away from you. Talents are like muscles or brains. Use them or lose them. And so if you paint, paint with abandon. If you write songs, toss them out into the world, even if they're not perfect. Or even with the more pedestrian gifts, right? The nursery school teachers at AJN teach our four-year-olds how to build cathedrals out of popsicle sticks. I keep wondering when they'll run out of fresh ideas, but they never do. I don't know what you do for a living, 
Maybe you're not in a creative profession, but every occupation, including parenthood, requires unique talents and their gifts, and they're to be used. The summer's over. This is Labor Day weekend when we celebrate work, so it's time to think about that. Whatever it is you do for a living, be generous in your working life. Now, we get a lot of credit for the generous philanthropy we shed around in this world, for our gifts to the church or our alma mater or the art museum. We get a lot of credit for volunteering at night ministry or the cradle, working for free for some worthy cause, and that's all good. But what about what we do 40, 50, 60 hours a week? Some of us went to school four, six, eight years to learn to be a good doctor, banker, lawyer, teacher. And so using your education and your experience and your native talents and your shining virtues in thoughtful and excellent ways at work is a sign of generosity. Last year, one of our members at Kenilworth Union gave the church the largest gift I've ever received in 35 years of ministry. This person is legendary for his lavish philanthropy. He gets a lot of credit for that, and well, he should. But what's behind that financial generosity? He spent 40 years nurturing and stewarding and caring for the corporation that was entrusted to him. Behind the financial generosity, much of it later in his life, is a whole lifetime of working generosity. So be generous in your working life. Charge fair prices for your products or your services. Treat every client as if she were your daughter. Befriend your competitors. Be kind to your subordinates. Don't be like those guys who worked for what used to be the Washington Redskins. Choose a 22-year-old new hire at work and mentor him. Share your bag of tricks. Diversify your workforce. Recruit at historically black colleges. Legendary Georgetown basketball coach Big John Thompson died last week at the age of 78. When Big John was growing up in Washington, D.C. in the 1940s and 50s, the city was very segregated. At his church, he had to wait for the white parishioners to take the sacrament before he was allowed to go to the altar. They called him Big John because he was 6 feet 10 and 300 pounds. Big John set all kinds of basketball records at Providence College and then was drafted by the Boston Celtics in the third round. Did you know that Big John Thompson played backup center behind Bill Russell for the Celtics? They won the NBA championship both of those years. The year before Georgetown hired Big John to be head basketball coach in 1972, Georgetown's record was 3-23. and Almost immediately, he began to turn the team around. In 27 years as head coach, Big John led the Hoyas to 20 NCAA tournaments and one national championship in 1984 with Patrick Ewing leading the charge. During his 27-year career, 77 of the 79 players who spent four years at Georgetown graduated with their degrees. He did that by the sheer force of his will. 
When he arrived at Georgetown University in 1972, the university was considered to be a cloistered exclusive enclave on the top of an imposing hill in a mostly African-American city. His obituary in the Washington Post credited Coach Thompson with breaking down those barriers and showing Washington, D.C. what young African-American men can accomplish. And so when you remember Big John's career, you realize that you don't have to choose between excellence and goodness, between success and generosity. You can get both of those things accomplished. Your work is a sacred gift, a sacred blessing, a sacred obligation. And so when you're at work, pretend you're working for the kingdom of God because you are. And then on the last of all your days, you'll hear it too. Well done, good and faithful servant. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen.